Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. Yeah, well, as this situation continues to unfold, I mean, the abject horror of what we're seeing, the images that I can't unsee, And I agree with many of the pundits that are out there, like Ben Shapiro and Dan Bongino. I think you should see some of these images. You don't have to see them all, but you definitely have to see it to believe that there could be such depravity in the year 2023, that there could be actual creatures, because I can't call them human beings, who could behead an infant, multiple infants, could kill 40 babies in a community. They killed a total of 100 people, so almost half of the people they killed were babies. I can't really wrap my mind around that. And I'm grateful that most of you can't wrap your minds around that either. Because that kind of depravity is beyond comprehension. This has nothing to do with self-determination. This has nothing to do with uh, freedom fighting. When even Joe Biden says uh, the brutality of Hamas, the bloodthirstiness, brings to mind the worst rampages of ISIS. This is terrorism, but sadly for the Jewish people, it's not new, he said, as he was flanked by Anthony Blinken, and Secretary and uh, Vice President Kamala Harris. About an hour after um, she and he had a conversation with Bibi Netanyahu, the Prime Minister of Israel, he addressed the nation for about ten minutes, calling it unadulterated evil. He said, "The people of Israel lived through one such moment this weekend: the brutality of Hamas, the bloodthirstiness." brings to mind the worst rampages of ISIS. Well, maybe now he'll understand how we don't think it's appropriate to refer to MAGA people as terrorists. There's a big difference. MAGA people might be fighting for what they believe in, but they don't behead babies and they don't use their own civilians as human shields. Who, and, they, and they don't threaten to execute their captives, which violates any code of human morality that ever did. The president said that Hamas doesn't stand for the Palestinian people's right to dignity and self-determination. Its stated purpose is the annihilation of the state of Israel and the murder of Jewish people. And then he said, it leaves a black hole in your chest when you lose family. You feel like you're being sucked 
into the anger, the pain, the sense of hopelessness. This is what they mean by human tragedy, an atrocity on an appalling scale. And then he said, this is a moment for the United States to come together to grieve with those who are mourning. But let there be no doubt that the U.S. has Israel's back and will make sure the Jewish and democratic state of Israel can defend itself today, tomorrow, as it always has, as simple as that. In their call, uh, they discussed coordination to support Israel. They also have to deter the hostile actors out there and protect innocent people. This is not some distant tragedy. The ties between Israel and the United States run deep. It's very personal for American families who have lost family members over there or can't find them. And then, you know, immediately we go to, well, and, and there might be threats here in the States, you know, uh, they're coming after. If you could see the monstrosities that showed up on Broward Boulevard in Fort Lauderdale, screaming death to the Jews, I've seen this before. You know, I stood on the same street corner 12 years ago when they were shouting death to Jews and back in the gas chambers, Hitler had it right. Nothing changed. So that was, uh, you know, the president's 10-minute conversation today with the American people right after he got off the phone with Prime Minister Netanyahu. We still haven't seen what what actually was in that call. There will be readouts of the call in, on both sides in Jerusalem and here in Washington. Earlier in the day, the Israeli president, Isaac Herzog, spoke by phone with a high-level bipartisan delegation of U.S. senators who were currently making a diplomatic visit to China. We know that Chuck Schumer was there and Senator Mike uh, Crapo from Idaho, Bill Cassidy from Louisiana, John Kennedy from Louisiana, Maggie Hassan from New Hampshire, and John Ossoff. So there were, you know, two, I think three Republicans and three Democrats. And the delegation, one to a person, expressed their outrage and condemnation of the horrific attack. My problem with all of this is that some people need to realize they were a party to it in one way or another. And I mean that. The House Foreign Relations Committee Chairman Mike McCall and Ranking Member Gregory Meeks and 390 colleagues in Congress issued a bipartisan resolution supporting Israel and condemning Hamas. Now is the time to show the world that the United States firmly stands with our ally and our friend Israel in our condemnation of this heinous attack. Yeah, I don't know how, how much more I can pound the table today as I did yesterday. But I woke up yesterday and I kept saying, where are the Maccabees? And it was interesting because today Ron Dermer made that exact statement. He said, Hamas made the critical miscalculation that it would be business as usual in Israel. And believe me, it is not. No, they awoke the sleeping Maccabee. And it's nothing new. Hezbollah now claiming responsibility for an anti-tank missile on the northern front, an IDF combat helicopter, 
had to go in there and take them out. The IDF is preparing itself for every scenario in every arena, and it's going to operate that way to protect Israeli civilians. The IDF attacked two Hezbollah observation posts in southern Lebanon, uh, where they were firing rockets at the Jewish state. They ain't playing. And we can't be playing either. So we'll see. You know, my only concern, and I say this all the time, is don't stop until it's done. You've got to wipe out Hamas. You don't just have to scare them. You don't just have to show them. You don't have to negotiate with them. You have to wipe them out. Not just the leadership, but anyone who has been involved in any Hamas activities must be destroyed. All right, I'm going to break early because I have uh, Jonathan Tobin coming on. Of course, he is the editor-in-chief, I believe, of the uh, JNS, the Jerusalem News Service, and uh, with a first-hand view, wrote a brilliant article today, brilliant, absolutely brilliant, about where are American Jews going to be now? Where are you? All the American Jews out there, you better speak up now because they came for Israel. They're coming for you next. Let me take a break. We'll be right back. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. All right, and um, I'm really, I, I wish I could say I was looking forward to this interview, but I, it is such an awful time um, that I'm not even looking forward to it, although I'm a huge fan of Jonathan Tobin at the uh, Jewish News Syndicate. Of course, I've been reading him for years in commentary and everywhere else, but yeah, I know that his heart is breaking just as mine is. I wake up in the middle of the night and I can't stop crying and shaking because of the unbelievable level of brutality that we have witnessed over the last four days. Jonathan, how are you? Well, um, thank you for having me on. I'm angry, sad, and frustrated. I think like many of uh, our listeners, um, this is a very terrible time, but we have to um, certainly hope that, um, that in the end, um, the criminals don't profit from their crimes. That's, I'll just start out by saying that. Yeah. Well, but I think, you know, I read your article, I guess I read it this morning, um, where you talked about an issue that for the last 33 years on the air in South Florida, I have been asked one question more than any other, and that is, why do American Jews vacillate when it comes to the support of Israel? I've done videotapes in which I try to explain it, but this is going to be a turning point, and you point that out in your article. Where are they going to come down, and where are these Jewish organizations in America going to come down now? Well, that is, um, it's a key question. It ought to be a turning point. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we've had a, a sort of a political culture in this country where many people on the left um, have been alienated from Israel uh, for a variety of re- reasons. Um, some of it has to do with sort of demography and sort of a changing Jewish community that is 
sort of um, losing a sense of Jewish peoplehood and their connection to their heritage. Um, nothing to do with politics, just, you know, people sort of, you know, distancing themselves from, uh, you know, their heritage. But also we've had a dynamic where a lot of people in this country, and specifically a lot of Jews, have felt uncomfortable supporting Israel because Israel is depicted as the bad guy, as the villain, and uh, sort of a white oppressor state in the context of all the um, ideology of critical race theory and intersectionality. And, um, you know, they, they, they wanted nothing to do with it, or that, you know, some even supporting these anti-Semitic uh, groups that are anti-Zionist. And let, let's make very clear that anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism, because if you're denying rights of the Jews that you wouldn't de- deny to anyone else, you're, you're practicing discrimination. And as uh, the lawyers say, the term for that is anti-Semitism. Right. But it's ho- I, I hope that the shocking nature of what we are witnessing, the, these horrific crimes, it's, it, it's almost impossible to even speak about, mm-hmm. is a wake-up call to remind and instruct people who have been deluded into thinking differently that this conflict in the Middle East is not about where Israel's borders should be. It's not about what its policies should be. It's whether one Jewish state on this planet is one too many. Because mm. that's what Hamas and uh, the forces behind it, Iran, um, that's their policy. That's what they want. They're, they don't want a two-state solution. In fact, Hamas has been uh, you know, running a, a Palestinian state in all but name for the last uh, 17 years and actually uh, exploding the idea that two states uh, w- would lead to peace. Hamas wants no Jewish state, no matter where its borders are drawn. Hamas wants to slaughter Jews. And that's the main issue. That is the only issue. And the Jewish community, in fact, decent people, no matter what their background is, have to unite against this and in favor of a policy of no longer allowing Hamas to go on existing in in Gaza, running, as I say, an independent state in all but name from which they can lash out and inflict terror on, on the people of Israel. And Americans, too, uh, as even President Biden said today, the number is growing. Uh, 14 Americans were killed um, during this, this atrocity. So it's got to be focused on that. And that's where Jewish groups, many of which have uh, often downgraded their support for Israel, concentrating on just liberal democratic politics, the ADL, uh, you know, but mm. being a particular example of that, I've often criticized them. But it, it's, it's time for them to, to return to, to their main job, which mm-hmm. is standing up for the Jewish people, standing up against anti-Semitism. Um, and that's where we have to be trying to rally people to see where the threat is and to sort of recapture a spirit of, of support for the Jewish people, support for the right of Jews to live in peace and the right to self-defense. That's where the argument, that's what the debate has to be. And forget all the rest of this stuff that we've been hearing for years about what concessions Israel has to make and about the oppression of Palestinians. No, the issue is whether Israel has a right to exist, and that's what we have to advocate for. That's right. And, and you know, I've always said uh, that the Hamas doesn't want peace. 
that wants a piece of a Jew here and a piece of a Jew there. And they went and proved it over the last yeah. 72 hours. And in the most vile way, I mean, when you get compared to ISIS rampaging, um, that's about as low as it gets. And the images, you know, I'm, I'm on the same page as Ben Shapiro and Dan Bongino and a couple of other radio personalities who say, we need to see these images. Stop running and hiding from them because you will never understand the bloodlust if you don't see it. You know, this is not the Holocaust. The, the Holocaust, we were hearing months later, years later, what had transpired. We did not have cell phone videos and TikTok. We do now. We can't hide from yeah, this. That's, a, that's an excellent point. Um, in the past, we have been able to sort of distance ourselves um, from this and to pretend, you know, and then read about it in books afterwards and everybody says, oh, isn't that terrible? Mm -hmm. No, it's happening in real time. Yeah. And we have to look at these atrocities. We, ha we have to look at them. We have to understand that sweet reason and compromise is not the answer to crimes like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and, and I listened to this moral relativism that's already out there. We had a protest here in Fort Lauderdale on Monday where you have one side saying, you know, we stand with Israel and the other side saying, you know, send them back to the gas chambers. I mean, that's a very different uh, perspective on the same issue. And I saw it in your in our hometown. I was born and raised in New York. We're both, uh, you know, Columbia families. Mm -hmm. um, when when we were at Columbia, at least I can say this, when even when my daughter was a, a student at Columbia, anti-Semitism wasn't uh, fashionable. It is now. Yes, sadly. Anti-Semitism has been mainstreamed mm -hmm. um, by a lot of the same forces that are trying to demonize Israel. Indeed, the demonization of Israel is the focus of modern anti-Semitism. Yes, mm -hmm. it exists on the far right, too. We're not, I'm not denying that. Mm -hmm. But the mainstream kind of anti-Semitism is the kind we get from the squad, from Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, and Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez and the rest of the democratic socialists demonstrating for Hamas. Yeah. They yeah. are the ones who are justifying the slaughter of Jews, who are justifying the people committing this slaughter. Mm -hmm. And they have to be routed from the mainstream of, of, of the American public square rather than being invited in and given uh, posts as uh, op-ed columnists of the New York Times. Exactly. Look, I remember, you know, my daughter went to high school in Israel. She's now in her mid-40s. She did Alexander Mosai's school in Israel, came mm -hmm. back, got into Colombia, went off to Colombia, and within two years, my daughter was, you know, a social justice warrior for Palestinians. And she's a, you know, uh, she has come around a bit, but the level of indoctrination and brainwashing that goes on in the finest schools in America, schools that used to keep Jews out, right? And now uh, they're basically teaching everyone who goes there to dislike and hate Jews. It's mind-boggling to me. Yeah, I, that, that's a very important point. because, And it's not disconnected from what's going on right now in Israel. Mm -hmm. um, we have had um, a sort of a sea change in our political culture in the last decade, whereby these sorts of ideas, uh, like critical race theory and intersectionality, which grant a permission slip to anti-Semitism because they define Israel and Jews as white oppressors, mm -hmm. and the Palestinians as people of color who are who are only, should only be seen as victims. Now, of course, the majority of 
Israeli Jews are, quote-unquote, people of color because they trace their origins to the Middle East and to North Africa. Mm-hmm. And the Palestinians are not merely victims. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that Jews who have been subjected to millennia of anti-Semitism are oppressors by definition is insane, but it is the kind of thing that is being promoted through critical race theory, through ethnic studies programs, as we've seen in California, with the debates over the curricula there. It's been, in, it's been part of what people are, being, are learning at college and in graduate schools. It's part of this whole woke catechism of diversity, equity, and inclusion, which, again, all grants a permission slip to Jew mm. hatred because they define Jews as white and not diverse enough and who should be uh, subjected to quotas. Mm. So this is all part of a, of a culture that legitimates the idea that Israel has no right to exist, Israel should be attacked, that slaughter of Jews is Palestinian resistance and should be applauded. And yes, you know, we didn't used to see demonstrations in the streets of American cities cheering the slaughter of Jews. That, that was something that people were ashamed to, to admit. It, it was sort of, uh, but now because of the change in our political culture, people feel entitled to say mm-hmm. these terrible things, and they have to be answered, mm-hmm. and they have to be routed from the public square. And I mean that not merely by people speaking up and counter-demonstrating, but that people who espouse these views should no longer be treated as part of just legitimate public discourse in all of our leading mainstream uh, meet corporate media, which mm. they have. What do you think happens next? I mean, obviously you still have a lot, you know, you are in, in touch with people who are living through this right now uh, in Israel, mm-hmm. and they're looking to America. I'm sure they watched the speech, the 10-minute speech that uh, President Biden just gave, and uh, you had made, paid him a pretty nice compliment the other day when you said his first reaction was great, full stop. Um, where do you think mm-hmm. we go from here? I, I mean, I'm really, uh, are we going to withdraw the money that's being paid to the largest sponsor of terrorism, Iran? W- what does what are they going to do to back it up? Well, you know, let me draw a distinction. I, I think President Biden's initial statement was excellent. His statement today was excellent. I have no criticisms of it. In fact, I applaud him for, for saying this and for being very upfront. I mean, obviously, it may have touched him. Mm-hmm. And good for him for, for being um, touched by what's happening. And um, that's great. Mm-hmm. The problem is that the policies of this administration mm-hmm. have helped enable Iran and its terrorist auxiliaries, Hezbollah and Hamas, because he's, you know, he hasn't tried to expand the Abraham Accords. He's tried to redefine them to inject the Palestinians into negotiations between Israel and Saudi Arabia, neither, which has no role there. Mm-hmm. It has enriched and empowered Iran. That does help. You know, it, it doesn't merely just give them more money. They got $16 billion between two recent payments. Right. It also gives them the belief that they have impunity. Mm-hmm. And that's what Biden administration policies through its various and, and you know, Iran has been running an influence operation within the government under Robert Malley, who's uh, oh. and, and other uh, former Obama staffers. Mm-hmm. So the, the question is, yes, what's the next step? Obviously, Israel knows that it can't just return to the status quo before before October 7th. 
Mm-hmm. It has to root out Hamas. I, I think Benjamin Netanyahu's political future depends on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this happened on his watch. Um, the security there was an epic, you know, failure of the, you know, of the security um, apparatus, mm-hmm. and um, you know, it just simply can't. You know, and but that wasn't his specific fault. But the truth is, that's where we are, and so Israel has to strike. And what what now must happen is that the United States must not try to restrain them and prevent them from a complete victory. Yeah. Um, and that's the open question, because everything we know about Biden and this administration would lead us to think that they will try and mm-hmm. preserve uh, Hamas there or preserve, um, you know, prevent Israel from a complete victory there because of you know, this myth that this will preserve a two-state solution. Yeah. It just won't work. There is a two-state solution. It's called Israel and Jordan, but that's a whole nother show. (laughs) Um, And we could do that at another date. But, uh, you know, all I can tell you is even the EU has come out and said, we're not giving any more money for anything, not humanitarian choices. This all has to be reevaluated. That's the very least that this administration can do, is to withhold any further monies and pull back on monies that have been promised. We can pull the plug on that. And I think if he were to do that and then hand that money over to uh, uh, to Bibi Netanyahu and say, here, rebuild uh, Sidrat and Ashkelon, you know, um, that's where that, that money should be That would be great. Be spent. I'm not yeah. expecting that. No, uh, what I would at least just hope for is that he will um, let Israel um, go to victory. Right. I, I want to thank you so much. I have to go ahead. Thank go on you another so much. call right now, but right. thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate your time, Jonathan. Thank you. All right, and that's, we're also up against a hard break, so let me do that. Stay right where you are. Don't forget to download our app. That way you can get all the news, the breaking news, and hear the podcast. I'll be right back. So early this morning, I was reading some of my, um, some of the stuff that was in my inbox. And I really, I've been trying very hard not to get in the face of some people who I really, I'm so angry with them because they are constantly minimizing just how serious what's going on in Israel and in this country are. But I, I held my tongue, but sometimes I just can't refrain, I guess. And I saw this letter that students at Harvard had put out, and it was so disgusting to me that I had to uh, email my son because, of course, he's an alumna. In the letter, the they blamed Israel. In, in he, and and thank God he pointed out to me that Larry Summers, who was a Treasury Secretary under President Bill Clinton, a far left guy, he also was an advisor to. President Barack Obama, and then he was the president at Harvard when Derek was there from 2001. Uh, he, I think he stayed after Derek already left because Derek was out of there in 2003, I believe. Um, but Derek agreed with Larry Summers, who, of course, um, came out and reacted to a statement by the Harvard-Palestine Solidarity Groups, 
which read, We the Undersigned Student Organizations. It's not just Palestinian students. This was a bunch of students' uh, organizations. Hold the Israeli regime entirely responsible for all the unfolding violence. 31 groups signed on. I saw that in the New York Post this morning, including the Ivy League's affiliate of Amnesty International. So the groups claim that Hamas's attack did not happen in a vacuum and that Israeli government has forced Palestinians to live in an open-air prison for over two decades. If I hear that one more time, that they're living in an open-air prison, they're living, aren't they? They're making sure the Jews aren't living. Seth Moulton, in comment sent to the Herald, added, you can stand up for the Palestinian rights while condemning Hamas terrorists, just as you can fiercely criticize the anti-democratic actions of the Netanyahu government while supporting the nation of Israel's right to defend itself from people, terrorist groups, and states that want it wiped out of existence. You heard Jonathan Tobin. They don't want a two-state solution. They don't want peace with the Jews. They want to kill all the Jews. So for a college to engage in such an intellectually dishonest and immoral debate, it, it completely ignores the millions of peace-loving Israelis and Palestinians who actually would like to have a future, you know, a, a prosperous, a bright, a future where they live. They regularly stand up to extremists on both sides, in contrast to what's happening at Harvard right now. This is, as Larry Summer said, intellectually weak and morally repugnant. This, as President Biden said that now the number of dead Americans in Israel went from 11 yesterday to 14 today, and we have no idea how many Americans are being held hostage? We do know that there are over 100 hostages, some of them Israeli, some of them, and now Italy is saying there's 10 hostages that are Italian terrorists. Senator Ted Cruz put it pretty bluntly on social media, what the hell is wrong with Harvard? And, and you just, can you imagine how politically tone deaf do you have to be to, at this moment in history, attack the Israelis. Over a thousand Jews slaughtered. Over 250 Jews who were, and non-Jews, that's where some of the Americans were, at a concert, a concert in the desert, a concert that was billed as peace. And they were brutally Shot. You look at that videotape and you should look at it. I agree with Ben Shapiro. Don't hide from this. You know, while I may never be able to unsee the beheading of Daniel Pearl, it was important that I watch it so that I understand that there are actually creatures that walk upright like a man who would take a small penknife and saw another man's head off in front of a camera. See, I could have never believed that if I hadn't seen it. I could never believe that they were chasing these teenagers through these fields in the desert. 
and 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 if they just even you know they were playing dead hiding and if they just lifted their head for a second to see if the carnage was over they walk over to them and shoot them in the head point blank they raped women right next to the dead bodies at that concert what kind of animals are these animals don't behave like that 40 babies in that kibbutz. I'm not talking about just children. I'm talking about babies. Babies that couldn't run away if they knew enough to do it. Babies in cribs. You look at the carnage and you see these overturned and burned cribs. Who does that? And you want to mitigate? You want to do some moral relativism and say, well, they're in an open-air prison. What did you think was going to happen? I don't know what you thought was going to happen, but I sure didn't think they were going to become animals. Disgusting. And I'll tell you, you got all of these uh, people trying to stand up and say, this is just wrong any way you look at it. I think Amari Stoudemire, right? Amari Stoudemire who happens to be African-American, became an Orthodox Jew when he was playing over there in Israel. And he said, where's Black Lives Matter? You know, where are all the social justice warriors when they see such an obvious display of unmitigated cruelty, the likes of which, you know, look, do we now know what was going on in those concentration camps during the Holocaust? Yes, but did we know then? No. Maybe some people knew, but I assure you that the majority of people in the whole world didn't realize the level of depravity that was going on in those camps. We have no reason to turn away. We need to see this. We need to understand that this isn't somebody fighting. These aren't freedom fighters. These aren't people who uh, you know, have no other reaction uh, that they can think of. These are animals of the lowest sort who could do these things. I couldn't do that to, you know, a, a, a doll, never mind to a baby. This is disgusting. And, and yes, I forced myself to watch way more of it again yesterday. Because I don't want to forget, I heard Ben Shapiro say, don't, don't, don't run, don't hide. Because if you do, then everybody will forget. It's not enough to say never again, okay? You got to mean it. And I, look, I, I am not going to back down on this. This is, these are not, there's no moral relativism here. You know, the members of the squad they should all be bounced out of office. They should be thrown out of the Congress. Instead of worrying about impeaching you know, Donald Trump and trying Donald Trump and all of the nonsense that they spend their time messing with in Washington, get rid of these people who would dare to say that we, we shouldn't stand with our ally and that it's their fault. And bolster up that Iron Dome. Because apparently, if you launch enough missiles or rockets at that Iron Dome, then it could, uh, you know, it could stop working. I was uh, like Jonathan Tobin. I, I was 
not unhappy with what President Biden said. I could have, uh, you know, I, I could have heard it coming from anybody and been pleased, but, you know, coming from him, there's always that, that aftertaste. Okay, you know, he's feeling it right now, but what's he going to say next week? And what's he going to do when Israel levels Gaza? As they must. All right, let me take uh, my final break. Don't forget, coming up after me is Eric Erickson, followed by uh, Joe Paggs, Lars Larson, all the overnight guys. And then, of course, tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., Jen and Bill will be back. And ten at 9 o'clock, Brian Kilmeade comes your way. Noon, Dan Bongino, and then I'm back at 3 o'clock. So stay right where you are. I have one segment left today. So while yesterday I didn't think it was a good idea to try and piece together what actual intelligence failure had happened, it's probably still not the right time, but there's stuff leaking out already. And this was a very careful campaign of deception. And Hamas did exactly what they had been planning to do for two years. This is a two-year plan where Hamas not only kept all its military plans um, secret, they convinced Israel, the most powerful army in the Middle East, that they didn't want to fight. And then they came in with bulldozers and hang gliders and motorbikes, and they pulled it. The worst breach in Israel's defenses since those Arab armies waged war in 1973, but think about this. Then it was army against army. Here it's civilians that are being attacked. So they made Israel believe, and apparently the world, that they were tired of war and they were happy with some of the economic incentives that the workers coming in and out of Gaza were getting. Little did they know. And, and it was going on in plain sight, according to these sources, right? The fighters were being trained and drilled. They actually set up a mock Jewish community, a village, and practiced. Uh, th that's pretty striking. They construct a mock Israeli settlement in Gaza, and they practice how to storm you know, how to land gliders, how to storm the fences, how many rockets it would take to shatter the Iron Dome, even just temporarily. And I guess that Israel had to have seen this because I remember standing there, and I tell this story often. I'm standing, you know, on one side of the fence and I'm talking to these Israelis who are telling me, well, you know, see that hospital over there? We're training our children not to get traumatized when the air raid sirens go off. And I'm looking through binoculars, and I'm looking at these Palestinian youth marching up and down the street with Kalishnikovs. And I said, so you're training your kids not to get freaked out, and they're training their kids to kill you. Somehow I don't think that's going to that's gonna end well. So they, I know they could see them practicing making false villages and practicing landing, if I could see the marching, how do you do that? How do you build a whole c community and then practice? And, and the IDF says, well, they're tired. They're not going to come after us. Mm. 
and they're sending money in. They're letting the Gazans earn money, and the money's going in. Forget about the money that we give them and that, that Europe gave them. At least Europe's holding back. Oh, my goodness. What can I tell you? These are some troubling times. But I'm not going to stop talking about it because they're coming for us next. And you need to know that, all right? You need to be prepared. I thank you for your time this time until next time. And my plan is to be back here tomorrow at 3, if it be his will and he delays his coming. Tomorrow night, it's uh, Donald Trump in the Palm Beach Convention Center. I'm looking forward to that. I can only imagine what he's going to be talking about. In the meantime, may God bless you. May God bless Israel. And may God bless the United States of America. See you tomorrow. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.